From RTE News, welcome to Core Values. After another year that has changed how we live, this is the show that takes a look at what we really value. I'll speak to people in Irish public life about what parts of their lives are now most important. Would I have won if I hadn't lost the week before? Possibly not. I suppose it's kind of evaluating what a win is. It's not always a trophy. My guest today is the County Cavan golfer, Leona Maguire. The 27-year-old from Ballyconnell made history this year by becoming the first Irish woman to play in a Solheim Cup. She went on to become the greatest rookie of all time by not losing a single match for the winning European team. So, Leona, how am I finding you today? I'm great. Um, in Orlando, sort of finished up the, the 2021 LPGA season, so... Uh, Took a few days to relax here in Orlando and then um, getting back at it, the preparation started for next year already. The prep started for next year already. Tell us, what, what is that like? What are you up to? Um, well, I suppose sitting down with my team at the end of the season, seeing what went well this year, seeing where potential improvements can be made. And I suppose the big thing being here in Florida is, is making most of the good weather before I, I go home to the to the wind and rain probably and having to, to hit balls in, in five layers of clothes. So enjoying being in, in a t-shirt and shorts for these last few weeks, planning and getting ready, uh, a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of lists and, and all that sort of thing. But, but it's exciting at the same time. When you say spreadsheets and lists together, I mean, after the unbelievable year you had, and we'll get into that maybe later on, what even is on those lists? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that's the thing with, with high speed performance sport or I mean a, a lot of aspects of life there's always something that you want to do or you want to achieve there's always new goals um, no matter what you're doing I suppose for me I've I've never been one to kind of dwell on what I've done or or that sort of thing I suppose that's something that I'll probably look back on in 20-30 years time when I'm done playing and realize what I was doing at the time but it's always kind of on to the next one on to the next one and and figuring out um how how can I get there, I suppose, and, and working with different people in my team to see to see where we can make those improvements. So how can you put into words the year that you've had or or have you had time to reflect on the last twelve months for you? Yeah, I mean it's I suppose throughout the year you don't you don't dwell too much on it. I got to to go home after the Solheim Cup, which was very special and, and celebrate with my family and friends and got to drive through my local town in a in a cold convertible BMW with, with granny in the in the passenger seat so that was that was obviously very special and something that I'll I'll not forget for a long time and I suppose with the year that's been in it with restrictions coming in and out and, and trying to be as safe as possible th- those certain moments I suppose are very nice when they come along and, and br- brought joy to a lot of people so it'll be nice to go home at Christmas and um, to sort of sit down and take stock of the year for what it was and enjoy those moments and then um, shift the attention then to, to next year fairly quickly. Tell us, what do you value today? So this can be something very specific to today, like the present moment, and it can be as small as, or as big as you like, but what do you value today? Um, I suppose it's, I suppose I'm very fortunate to do what I do and I wake up every day with a purpose. I think a lot of people go through life, it takes them a long time to find find their purpose, find what they want to do, where they want to go. And I suppose I'm, I'm lucky to, to be doing what I love, getting to, to travel the world and play golf. And every day I wake up excited to go to work. Um, I suppose I always say that I've, I've the best office in the world. It, it changes from week to week. One week I'm in Florida, the next week I'm in California, I'm in Japan, wherever it is. 
I suppose it's 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 really nice to have that that purpose and passion and that yeah it it, it is hard work and it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours and sacrifice but at the same time it's it's one I'm willing to make I get to share that with my family as well which which is something that's very important to me as well and are there any members of your family with you at the moment in Orlando no just me and um, my sister Lisa she she traveled out with me in the summer as part of my management company in that um so she went to about six of seven events in the states over the summer which was which was great having her there she got to come to the Solheim cup which was was probably the highlight of the summer and then um yeah she went back to college so she went back to the real world and <laughs> and i kept uh, getting to gallivant out here and lisa is your twin sister isn't she yeah she is yeah and she's a very accomplished golfer too yeah i mean i suppose i i've always said that I, I mean, very fortunate to have a twin. I think it's it's a very special relationship that not a lot of people get to experience. I know our, our brother was, was always very jealous that he, and quite annoyed at mom for a while that he didn't get a twin. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we have a very good relationship. We're very close, even though she's back in Cork at the minute and I'm in, I'm in Orlando. We, we still talk pretty much every day and she's been a, a big part of my journey. We, I mean, we grew up doing everything together and um, playing all kinds of sports. We're in the same class in school, took a lot of the same subjects. We got to go to college in North Carolina at Duke together and, and share that experience. So um, I suppose very fortunate to have that sort of built-in be- best friend and that we, we were similar in a lot of ways, different in other ways, but we, we shared a lot of the same interests, which, which made things quite fun. And uh, so just remind us, did you, so you both started playing golf together? We did, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were doing a lot of swimming at the time. Um, Lisa broke her elbow messing around in a playground one evening after, after football training with, with some of our school friends. And the specialist told dad because she couldn't be in a cast and stuff like that. And part of the rehab was getting it moving again. And he, t- he told dad racket sports would be a good idea. And tennis and, and that sort of thing was never something we were big into. But um, we had the sleeve Russell right next to us. And dad brought us the driving range. It was a nine-hole par three course. And um, start off with three clubs. And I suppose being... The competitors that we were and it didn't matter if it was snakes and ladders or soccer in the back garden or whatever it was we I suppose Lisa was better than me to start off with she was stronger she had a further and yeah we probably brought each other on without realizing that me trying to beat her or trying to beat me and yeah it kind of just snowballed from there really. Wow so had Lisa never broken her elbow possibly you mightn't have started playing golf? No I mean that yeah that's the, the dad always says that I mean um yeah, I mean, I suppose he always says everything happens for a reason. Who knows um, if we hadn't have been in that, that playground that evening. I think um, we were supposed to stay on and watch, I think, the senior senior guys train, which Dad loves to do. Dad's a big GA man. And I think for some reason that football training got cancelled. And so we went to the playground instead. And yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. we. Who knows? Maybe we'd have played golf, maybe we wouldn't have. Mm. But the timing definitely would have been different. And uh, yeah, who knows? May not be in Orlando right now. That is amazing. And, and you were saying you were both into swimming a lot. We were about nine or ten, I think. Um, yeah, summertime we were about nine or ten. We did a lot of swimming, played football, played soccer, pretty much anything with a, with a ball or a stick um, that had any touch of competitiveness to it. We gave a go and obviously dad was big in sport. Mom, not so much. Uh, and then I suppose our brother just sort of, sort of grew up watching us. He's six years younger. He's a good golfer himself as well. So mm-hmm. um, he represented Ireland as well underage and Yes, well, it's nice when I, when I go home now, um, the three of us can go out and play together, which is nice. Does your dad join in for a four ball? He used to. He doesn't as much anymore. Once, once we started getting better and 
that uh, that that kind of deterred him a little bit but he says he, he's a bit of a shoulder injury at the minute that he needs to get sorted so once he gets that sorted uh we'll have to get the four ball going again and, and we've been at mom to to take it up as well um to try and get us all out there and you're saying obviously that anything that there was a very healthy competition kind of streak in you all did that come from your dad do you think yeah i think so dad's dad's very much one of those people who gives absolutely everything to, to whatever he does a GA man primarily played hurling, played football, uh, coached camogie, coached football, and um, I suppose any time I ring home or have any sort of golf question or anything like that, the the first thing he does is relates it to GA, um, either club GA or GA from fifteen years ago, something from Dublin or Kilkenny or or Kerry or or whatever it was. Sometimes I I know the reference, sometimes I don't, but. Mm-hmm. Given everything your best, I suppose, is something that him and mom have um, definitely reinforced. And so was there a particular time with the swimming that you said, actually, I need to divert my attention here from swimming to golf? Yeah, I mean, I think, I suppose, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, me and Lisa realised we, we weren't going to be six foot. We weren't going to be Olympic swimmers. We were good, but we weren't going to be great, probably. We enjoyed golf. We enjoyed being outside. Every golf course was different. And yeah, I suppose it, Bit by bit, we picked uh, golf over swimming. Mm-hmm. And you've spoken about, you know, your love of being outside and you're spoken about the lovely weather in Orlando at the moment versus here. But what is your most valued possession? So this can be, it can be fun, frivolous, inanimate, basically anything goes, your most valued possession. Yeah, interesting. Um, I suppose, I think I think my health is something that I've I've probably valued a lot in terms of, in order to be able to do what I do, I have to be healthy. Um, looking after my body, looking after my mind is something that's that's very important. Making sure I don't pick up any injuries. We we spend a lot of time traveling, um, a lot of weeks on the road, a lot of demands on your body, all of that. So making sure that that stays in in as good a shape as possible to be able to do what I do. Um, and also that of, of my family not having, I suppose, touch wood. We were very lucky that the COVID didn't um, affect us too much. and that everybody stayed healthy and I suppose that's a nice reassurance to have as well when I'm traveling as much as as I am to know that sort of everybody's safe and well at home as well. Yeah that's really really good and and you've spoken about keeping a healthy body and mind firstly how do you keep your body healthy on the road? Yeah I mean it, it varies depending on where I am and the time of year obviously off season pre-season that we're in now it's it's a lot more time in the gym getting stronger building up um, some muscle, trying to get a little bit of extra distance off the tee, stuff like that. And then as the season progresses, slightly less time in the gym, but more of a focus on maintaining that strength that I've built up, but also preventing injury, making sure I'm, I'm getting all the nutrients I needed, enough iron, enough vitamin D, all the, enough protein for, for my gym stuff, all of that sort of stuff. It's, it's really a, a multifaceted approach and, and working with all the different members of my team to make sure we're sort of in the best possible shape. Do you allow yourself a splurge time of the year or a day or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all about balance. Um, I think you have to enjoy what you eat as well. And uh, I suppose anything that's too rigid and too restrictive is you're not going to stick to it. And you have to enjoy life as well. So um, looking forward to going home, looking forward to getting home to mom's cooking um, in a few weeks. And it's hard to beat uh, Christmas dinner. And um, granny's 95. She still makes Christmas cakes and Christmas puddings for, for all of our family. So Looking forward to some of Granny's uh, Christmas pudding and custard this Christmas. 95 and still making Christmas cakes and puddings. Wow. 
She, she starts in September. I know that it, it takes a, a good degree of planning. I mean, she's she's some woman. She's uh, she's still on Facebook checking up and and everything we're doing. And um, yeah, it'll be nice to go home and, and visit her and and all of that over Christmas. Wow, what an inspiration! Oh my goodness, that's amazing. So tell me, if there was a part of your life over the last twelve months that has lost value or anything that perhaps at the start of the year seemed to be valuable but now is worth a lot less to you what would it be yeah I mean I suppose throughout your life you there's, there's various things that seem more important at certain times um, and you prioritize different things I suppose and as a teenager and that you probably value the expectations and put a lot of weight on what other people say what other people think and I suppose that's no different as a sports person I suppose there's always people are going to have opinions on what you should be doing where where you should be going it's hard not to sometimes get caught up in what people think what people say when you maybe don't play as well as you would have liked or I suppose less and less over time I've I've placed less weight in in sort of what what people think outside of my team I suppose I keep my team pretty small and really value their sort of opinions and their expert advice but outside of that trying to place less importance on those outside voices and, and outside um, sort of opinions on on what I should be doing um, and sort of trusting trusting my people and trusting myself I suppose as well sticking to the plans that that we've made. Just getting back to what you're you're saying about a healthy body and healthy mind and, and speaking about that you don't place you know you're trying to place less value on what other people think how do you how do you manage and keep your mind healthy given the game that you play which is like incredibly i believe i don't play myself but incredibly frustrating <laughs> game um like how do you keep your mental agility yeah i mean it's 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 a tough one i suppose golf is one of those sports that even if you're at the very best if you're world number 1 you still lose more times than you you win statistically that's that's just what happens and it, it's a lot of the time looking at the big picture and I think to, to be good at golf and to stay sane in golf I think you have to have a very short memory and um, you very much have to let the last shot go or the last tournament go and focus right away on how can I how can I improve the next one how can I how can I do better and I'm fortunate that I have a psychology degree that's what I studied in in university so I'd like to think I put that to some use uh, even if I I don't realize it at times but yeah also working with a psychologist and I suppose I get my confidence in knowing that I'm as, as prepared as I possibly can for all the potential scenarios that can, can pop up. Obviously, you can't plan for everything, but having, having strategies and knowing that I'm, I'm prepared for anything that gets thrown my way is, is something that, that helps me. So, for example, now, so the Solheim Cup, and you had an unbelievable, unbelievable experience. You made history. You're the most successful rookie to debut ever in the Solheim Cup. So, when there was that pressure on you in the final, in the final rounds, and each hole, like, how are you keeping your your psyche in check, so to speak, as you as you move on or progress through a competition like that, for example? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I was, I was kind of just going from. I suppose it's it's such a draining week. Um, it's a busy week there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of demands on your time there's a lot of things that week that you wouldn't normally have I suppose lucky to have a, a big team around you as well that week all of a sudden I had 12 teammates and, and their 12 caddies and captains and vice captains and, and all of that so we we had very little support over in America in Toledo um, it was a lot of American crowds and, and all of that I didn't probably quite realize the extent of the support that was at home until I got home or until I opened up Twitter and Instagram and all the rest sort of after 
after we were done. So we were very much kind of in a bubble, which, which definitely helped. And literally going from sort of one match to the next match, keeping those expectations low, I think. I suppose we prepared for, for that week as well. We prefer, prepared for loud, loud crowds, for people cheering against you when, when you missed a shot or missed a putt. Or, I mean, a lot of the girls had, had sort of told me, like, it's, it's the most nervous you're ever going to be. If you make contact, you'll be doing well and, and stuff like this. So I think I'd have, I'd have built up so that when I actually got there, it didn't seem too bad. And yeah, I think the caddy relationship probably plays a big role in that as well. Um, it's, it's one of the most unique things in, in all of sport, that, that caddy-player relationship. Dermot did a good job at keeping me calm and chatting between shots and sort of keeping my mind distracted when I need to be distracted and, and focused when I need to be focused. And you were saying that you did prepare for the loudness on the on the first tee and, and that kind of thing. How did they prepare you for that? Was it like a simulation or anything? Or No, I mean, I suppose in the, in the weeks, in, the, in the, that sort of week or two before, like, going out on the golf course with my brother and sister and having them say stuff when I was hit in the middle of my shot and trying to put me off and, and just stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's obviously you can't replicate it exactly, but just doing your best to try and put you out of your comfort zone as much as you can so that then you're not, not quite as phased when, when things like that pop up. How did you enjoy um, playing as part of a team? Because like certainly golf, would I be right in saying, it's, it's solitary most of the time. You know, how did you enjoy that kind of team versus solitary experience? Yeah, I mean, I love I love being part of a team. It, it's something I've always enjoyed. I suppose being a twin, we, we were always, I suppose that's something that mom and dad sort of always emphasised. We were a team. Me and Lisa were always a team growing up. We still are. Um, and it was one of those things that mom and dad was like, it doesn't matter who wins, so long as one of you do. You're each other's biggest supporters. And I suppose that's, that's probably where my love of teams come from, probably. And like you said, golf is a very individual sport. It can it can make you a little bit selfish. So it's nice to get those those chances to be part of something bigger than yourself. Um, got to experience it a little bit with the Olympics as well, being part of, of the Irish team over there and getting to cheer on all the other athletes over there in, in Tokyo and in Rio. It's just something different and it's it's something I really enjoy. Over the past year, have you noticed a part of your life that actually gained value? Um, I suppose the pandemic kind of forced everyone to sort of slow down a little bit, take stock of, of where they're at. And I suppose I place a lot of value on my time post-pandemic and whatever. It's probably been even more picky now on how I spend my time, who I spend my time with. That was the nice thing with the pandemic. I, was, I actually was home. The longest I'd been home since probably since I did the leaving, I would say. So my brother, Lisa, we were all there. Um, our granny was living with us at the time and there was no flight to catch. There, there was nothing going on. Everyone was just sort of there. You didn't know what was happening. And time is something, I suppose, that one of those things as you get older, you value more and more. And yeah, making most of those sort of small, small little things. I know that's really interesting. And like, obviously you got a glimpse of, of what having more time was like, particularly during during the pandemic. Have you, since then, and since, you know, certain restrictions have been lifted, have you protected your time? Like, have you have you retained that appreciation or, or protected it in some way since? Yeah, I would say so. I'm definitely more sp- selective, I suppose, of even being out on towards selective of the people you surround yourself with. And I think that's something in life in general, you, you kind of become the, the company you keep and the energy you sort of surround yourself with. And 
there's a saying in golf, don't go, don't go to dinner with bad putters. And it's very easy to sort of slip into a, a negative mindset if, if you're around people that are complaining a lot. It's, it's something that I've, I've become more and more conscious of, of sort of being around people that, that are looking on the bright side of life, I suppose. Protecting your mental health is, is, is a big thing and sort of more and more conscious of that, I think, over the last while. As a child or as a younger person playing sport, you're, you're less inhibited as a child as to what you might say to an opponent. Mm. And that could be quite um, powerful to that other person or quite detrimental. You know, like children often say things and they don't know how hurtful it is. They just say it. They just speak their mind. They just speak the truth. Um, mm. Like, did you notice that growing up, that kind of, in some ways, was it harder growing up playing competitively? Yeah, I mean, I think kids have no filters and um, I suppose that can that can sometimes be a good thing I see think you can see both sides of it obviously you you could have people come and be like wow how, how did you do that that that's so cool or whatever and like you said you also have the how did you mess that up mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is and ultimately I think as all of us as golfers have a lot of the same shared experiences so we tend to be less harsh when when judging other people because you you know that um that it could very you. easily be yeah. you the next the next day. It's a it's a very humbling game, so you don't tend to dwell too much on on the faults of others because it's it's not something any of us have have per, even close to perfected. Yeah, and just what you're saying earlier about you know statistically in golf you will lose more times than you will win. When we speak about value, I mean obviously in sport, let's face it, everyone wants to win. But how do you estimate the value of losing? From time to time <laughs> yeah I mean throughout my career I've, I've learned more from the times where I've lost than I have from when I won because when you win obviously you think everything's great you're you're perfect everybody's telling you you're great patting you on the back and and all of that and sometimes when you lose and things don't don't go your way it, it sort of forces you to sit down and think about things how you did things how you prepared all of that and I suppose ultimately you can take solace when you know that you've prepared 100% even if you lose well there's nothing you can do about it. But if you know there's something that you could have done better, I suppose that's that's something that will will go one of two ways. It'll either be a roadblock for you or it'll be something that'll that'll help you sort of down the line. And a few years ago when I when I um was on the Symmetra Tour, one I think it was the third event of the year in California, I I was leading going into the last round, played didn't play very well, it was windy, didn't didn't deal with that very well and I think I ended up losing by two shots and I remember being being really disappointed, quite upset, ringing home and and all of that, and Dad trying to convince me to to see the positives in it. And I suppose that's the good thing with golf is there's always another hole, there's always another round. There, the next event is the next week in Northern California up the road, and and I ended up winning that event, and I shot a a really good last round that event. And would I have won if I hadn't lost the week before? Possibly not. I suppose it's kind of evaluating what a win is. It's not always a trophy. If it's something you learned or you did something better than, than the last time you were in that position, well, that's that's also a win as well. Was that desire to, to constantly improve, do you think that is inherent in you or have you learned that behaviour over time? I suppose as a twin, those those comparisons are sort of inherent and I suppose coming off the golf course, it, was, it wasn't, oh, what's, what's leading? It was, what did Lisa shoot? It, it, it didn't really matter to me what it was or we didn't fight over it. It was just a case of, oh, damn, I, I want to get better than her the next day and, and it brought us on without, without even realising it. Yeah, I mean, it, you're kind of then, you know, being a twin is such a unique experience. 
but and you're kind of then at I, I would imagine at a young age refining your mental skills to deal with those comparisons would that be right yeah you probably are without even realizing it the fact that we had each other to to share in a lot of those journeys we could also help each other because we could understand exactly what the other person was was going through at any at any one time but chances are you you'd been in that same boat that's the beauty with having a twin getting to to sort of share all those experience being able to bring pick each other up when you need to be picked up and motivate each other when when needs be too Brilliant. And so is there anything over the past year that you've grown a bit more hardcore about? Is there anything that you are more passionate about in the last 12 months um, than you had been before? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I suppose women in sport is something that's that I've always been passionate about, making sure that I suppose equal opportunity, equal access to whether it's the opportunity to, to play or to train or I was part of the 20 by 20 campaign a few years ago and just making sure I suppose our female athletes get the respect they deserve and also the access to the opportunities they deserve as well. It's been nice to see so many achieving on a world stage as well because of the opportunities they were they were given and, and hopefully that'll that'll continue um over the next few years and I suppose them getting the, the respect and validation that, that they deserve. How do you feel being one of those women that, you know, that young children will look up to? Because presumably when you're growing up the number of people that you could you could look up to and aspire to were a lot less than what is than than the the number of female uh, sports people at the moment yeah I mean it's a little bit surreal I suppose you don't really think about yourself as a role model but at the same time you're you're just trying to do your best and if that's something that people want to aspire to then that's that's great I mean I still remember watching Suzanne Pedersen hold pots in Killeen Castle seeing the cheers of the crowd it, it, it's it's a very special thing when you see a player like that or any player even at events now where you see a, a player walk off a green or even when I do it myself and you hand a little uh, hand a ball to a little girl or a little boy or you sign their hat and you see them turn around to their parents and like jump up and down with a big smile on their face and when they come back to you the next year and say we we were here last year and she didn't take the hat off for two weeks and it's still it's on a hook over her bed or, or whatever it is because I know what that feeling was like I had a I had a sign poster from Suzanne Pedersen, I think Natalie Gulbis and Paula Creamer over my bed for a long time. And um, I had those pictures with the guys from the K-Club on my wall. So I know what it's like to be in that position. So it's important, I suppose, when we're at those events to take that time to, whether it's to take a picture with someone or... Um, it mightn't seem like a big thing in my day, but it, it can make a massive difference in, in someone else's. That's brilliant. And where do you stand in terms of the earnings um, in golf of men versus women? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose, look, I'm, I'm lucky to do what I do. I make, a, I make a good living at what I do. Um, there is obviously a big gap between what the, what the guys make. They're the best at, at what they do in the world. It's, it's only a small percentage of people in the world that can do what, what they do. But at the same time, should the gap be as as big as it is? Probably not. We're we're getting closer all the time. We've had a lot of big companies come on board to to support the women's game. We're ma- we're making gains all the time. Can I see a day where we're on complete level playing field? Probably not because the gap is just so big there, and the guys are just playing for obscene amounts of money. I mean, their FedEx Cup, Patrick Hantley got fifteen million. Uh, Jin Young Ko got one point five million for us. So. There's 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 a huge gap there. There's there's no point saying any different. But I suppose the biggest thing for me is that there's the equal opportunity there. Um, I think it's fantastic to see the FAI, um, 
obviously the women's team and the men's team now get get equal pay for for their international matches and stuff like that and making progress in in other sports as well we've a lot of work done but we've a lot of of work still to go and just given the way that you have raised the game and are raising the game given the unbelievable year that you've had do you ever see a day when men will play women yeah I mean I don't think that's necessary I think both I I I'm not a big fan of when people compare the women's game to the the men's game in in any sport really I think they should be celebrated for the attributes that they have I think in in terms of golf ladies game is is maybe heralded a bit more as as a bit more skillful better short games more accurate those sort of things and then obviously the guys can can hit it obscene distances off the tee and they have that physical strength that we're just never going to have and I mean there's a few few events now where um, the Vic Open in Australia the ISPS and a World Invitation up in, in Galgorm where there's the same event is run concurrently um, two different prize pots but playing for equal prize money and I think those great those events are are great for giving people a taste of they can they can watch a couple of holes with the guys they can watch a couple of holes with the girls I don't think you need to sort of pit one against the other. I think you can can appreciate the what both do and and celebrate what both do. And um, I mean that's not to say I I think people have suggested maybe team team formats where they could have some sort of mixed thing. I think that would be a lot of fun, getting to play with Rory or Shane or or some of the those guys in in something like that. I think that would that would pique a lot of people's interest. People would enjoy that, and I think the players would really enjoy that as well. So I think there's definitely a lot of creative ways it can go if if the right people are at the table absolutely and over the past year or even in general who has been your most valuable player or players so the person or people in your life who you valued most over the past year or beyond yeah I think I mean I think that's always it's always been my family I suppose they're they're the ones that have been been my biggest supporters they're the ones I go to advice when when I need to and Sometimes it's criticism. Sometimes it's it's given me advice. Sometimes it's given me support when I'm being too hard on myself. They've been there day from day one. I I trust them. They'll always be the MVPs, and and especially Lisa. I suppose she's she's played a a massive role, and I've no doubt that I wouldn't be where I am today without her. Yeah, we're we're very lucky to have each other, and um, lucky lucky to have have got to share the experiences um that we have so far, and um yeah, hopefully we're not done yet. And when she decided to go into management, how did that make you feel or, or, or how did that all come about? Yeah, I mean, she, she was obviously playing herself and, and wasn't really enjoying it and wanted to stay in golf. Golf's something that's given her a lot and she's enjoyed a lot. And that was a decision she made and, and something that I was delighted with. It meant she could, could travel with me a bit and Lisa's very organised and uh, works very hard. She plans all my travel and flights and a lot of the logistical stuff and Lisa replies to emails before I even see emails drop in my inbox. So she does things just as well, if not better, than I would do do them myself. So it's it's very nice having that peace of mind. So Modest Golf is is that still um, is Niall Horan still involved with Modest Golf? He is, yeah, yeah. He's one of the one of the directors. He's uh, Niall is uh, golf mad, golf obsessed. He's uh, he probably I don't know. He might even love golf more than I do. And and what has that done for 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 women's golf for golf in general that that somebody like Niall Horan is so obsessed with it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a shift in in golf a little bit over the last few years in that people I think had this 
preconceived notion that golf's very stuffy it's only for old people when you retire it's slow it's boring all of that and I think when you you have people like Niall involved it it appeals to a younger crowd a, a different demographic I mean I played with him a few years ago in the in the hand of the World Invitational Pro-Am up in, up in Galgorman. I mean, the amount of young girls that were there because Niall was there was, was incredible. There's some of them that had, a lot of them that probably never had been on a golf course, didn't really know what golf was, and they walked 18 holes, watched every shot, and that's, that's just, I suppose, bringing golf to a wider audience that it wouldn't normally have reached, and I think that's great, and he, he's obviously passionate about growing the game. He's, yeah, I mean, if, if a few girl, young girls pick up golf because of Niall, well, then... That's great. We've reached the end of the podcast. So, Leona Maguire, what is your core value? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I don't think I have any one core value, but I suppose the the main things are uh, probably hard work, and honesty and loyalty, I would say, probably are are the biggest things for me. When you say honesty and loyalty, obviously from the people around you, and but also your own honesty and loyalty yeah i think it works both ways i think um i suppose you can't can't expect people to give anything that you're not willing to give in in return it's it's a two-way street and very lucky to have the team around me that that i have it's it's quite small um, and i i place a lot of value in in those relationships and i think all great relationships are, are sort of built on a foundation of honesty and loyalty as well i don't have a lot of time for for fakeness and stuff like that i'm I am I am blunt and I'm I'm to the point a lot of times, so it's it's something that that I value in others as well. And also, you were saying about hard work, and it's clear you have a, a tremendous work ethic. You started off by saying that you wake up every day with a sense of purpose. What is that purpose, for example, on a day like today? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just trying to get that little bit better better today than I was yesterday. It, it, even in, in small things, whether it's it's in the gym, whether it's a little bit it's something in my practice, it's it's just about all those little small wins. Mightn't seem big at the time, but all those things sort of add up and, and that consistency is something that, that's key. Not doing anything radical, not having to, to go out and run a marathon every day. It, it doesn't mean that it's it's just getting those those little things every day that, that add up to something that much bigger. A huge thank you to Leona for sharing her core values and thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review.